magical place we could go. So close your eyes and make a wish for the skies with the angriest, flappiest birds and the seas with ridiculous fish. The Dutch Arcade Show is here again. Hey guys, what is up and welcome to the Touch Arcade Show episode number 525. Wow, that's a big number. Uh, so Eli has a special gift for us this week. Oh, first off, hey, we missed last week's episode. Sorry about that. We're going to make up for it today with such a good episode. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. You're going to be like, wow, I wish they'd miss every other week all the time. It was because, worth it, though, because uh, going up to Chicago, I found all my Nintendo stuff, which we talked about in the Patreon video version. So Yes, exclusive video preview of uh, Eli's treasure trove of video games that he came across Ancient at his uh, grandma's hoarder house. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> um, which uh, is pretty cool. Well, so big, big news of the week. Um, yes. Although I guess it's like really turning into the year of the handheld, right? Like I feel like we've said that yeah. like sarcastically, but it like seems like it really yeah. is now. Um, yeah. Because uh, I'm expecting my Steam Deck to ship any week now. Because I'm. Did Q2. you get an email yet? No, but I'm I'm Q2, so. They they are indicating they're the way they're talking about things makes me think that like April will wrap up Q2. That's, like, no yeah, that, that was kind of, <clears throat> it, it seemed like reading between the lines of what Valve was saying that yeah. like, they're going to, they're going to start shipping these out faster than they were before. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Which, which is pretty cool if that turns out to be the case. Cause I'm in like, well, they did, they wrapped up all of Q1 in, in March, like they said they yeah. would. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. So, cause I'm in like this, like uh weird, like uh game paralysis mode right now, because I'm like, yeah. so all this stuff that's come out, like um, uh, Tunic just came out and everyone's talking about how great yeah. that is. But I'm just like, man, yeah. that, that is a steam deck game. If I've ever, <laughs> if I've ever heard, right. seen one. Right. I mean, I guess I could yeah, just load yeah, yeah. up on my Xbox on game pass, but like, right. Um, I might play it on the fucking steam deck, you know? And like, yeah, same is true of like all these other like random indie games. Like I bought these various like Ukraine bundles and stuff, which yeah. have included yeah, like yeah, yeah. a bunch of games that I, uh, kind of wanted to play, but just sort of never got around to buying. Cause they're the mm-hmm. kind of games that get thrown in all these different bundles like that. Um, uh, what's it called? Satisfactory, like the, the mm-hmm. factory building game yeah. that, uh, everyone was yeah. talking about a while ago excited mm-hmm. to play that and all this other stuff it's just like i just don't want to get started on anything until i get my steam deck you know yeah yeah so um and then this week as well uh play date i think group a people or i don't know if it was group a or everyone got an email that was like hey um yeah here's your here's your last chance to update your shipping address yeah um, yeah which seems promising i mean like you typically don't do yeah. that unless you're like all right we're printing these labels next week so update your shit right, right. now right right um so I'm excited for that dumb little thing. Um, <laughs> and last week while I was gone, my analog pocket arrived. Um, that is awesome. Which is something that I've been looking forward to for about a, God, I don't feel like almost two years now. Like when did they announce this dumb thing? It was a while ago. Yeah. Maybe even three I'm, years like, ago. I still feel like surprised that they shipped them and you got one. That feels like the sort of thing that would be like a play date, sort of like endlessly getting pushed back. I think it got delayed a couple times, but like, you know. Well, yeah. And then like the initial sale that went up, like sold out, like literally instantly. It was like 
It was like yeah. trying to buy like like uh, something from Supreme where like the only people that got yeah. it were the person that like hit F5 at the exact perfect time and everyone else was just yeah. boned. And the, they were all scalpers. <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, and then they also had that thing where it was like all these people like got it in their cart and then like the store system like crashed. Ugh. And then people that were like mid checkout then didn't get it, uh, which included mm-hmm. a couple of celebrities like Elijah Wood was like making a stink about it, which was like, no way. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting that, uh, you know, cause usually it's like nerds. No one's ever heard about just kind of yelling into the void. Right. But like, yeah, uh, like actual, like bona fide like movie stars being like pissed that they didn't get the thing. It's kind of, you cool. know, celebrities should be treated differently because they're better than us. They're better than regulars. I agree. So, um, so finally got this thing. If you haven't heard the analog pocket, well, if you haven't heard analog, um, so they are a company that, um, makes these FPGA um, emulation machines. FPGA stands for Field Programmable Gates something or other. I don't you got know me, but I know for. that it's it's it essentially means not emulation. Yeah. So it's like so basically more it's more like true hardware. Yeah. So it's a processor that can be modified on the fly so you basically like load a software onto it and it reconfigures itself to emulate that specific hardware processor on a hardware level instead of yeah software emulation right so yeah 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 um they their lineup of stuff does like extremely accurate um emulation because it's not really emulation because like the actual processor itself is like rejiggering Kings itself it is the to, hardware. to be yeah. like the nes processor basically right which i i mean i've always um i've always been really interested in their stuff because it's like uh i don't know i just think the tech behind it is so cool i've i've you know i've, I've been into software emulation like basically my whole life you know so like right. to have this um this whole thing kind of like evolve into this like processor that can morph into these other processors mm-hmm. um like that's always been cool, but the um, the ones that they've released before have been you know like uh like stuff that can play like uh console stuff, and I've always been mm-hmm. kind of like a Game Boy kid, you know. I, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I like mm-hmm. Nintendo and Super Nintendo and Genesis yeah. and stuff, but I was always like the like Game Boy, like the Game Boy family was always my thing, right? Mm-hmm. So when um, and and these these things were really expensive too. I think like the NES ones are like five hundred bucks or so. Yeah, they're which, not cheap. They're which, really nicely made though too. Yeah, it's just like one of those. They're very things. much like niche enthusiast type hardware. Yeah, and I I think it's kind of like the reason they're expensive is both because they do like small production runs and because it's mm-hmm. very niche hardware. So like, yeah, there's I I it would be I would be surprised if their profit margins were actually that high on that sort of thing. Like I'm sure they're making money, but I'm sure it's not like oh these cost these only cost us twenty bucks to make and these idiots are buying them five hundred. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. 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 Um. Because when you look at uh, Mr., which um, that's a capital M, lowercase i, uppercase ST, lowercase ER, if you want to look it up, um, <laughs> that's like an open source uh, version of basically what Analog is doing, like kind of like a Raspberry mm-hmm. Pi on crack. Um, yeah. In those, the components of those, like if you just bought it off the shelf, are almost 400 bucks. So like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, when you add in like building actual like custom hardware and a custom case and like everything else, like I would mm-hmm. be really surprised if they were making that much money on their stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, whatever, that's cool. Um, so mm-hmm. anyway, the, the analog pocket is basically that, but 
Game Boy, uh, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, uh, TurboGrafx-16, Express, Game Gear, all mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Like by by default, it comes with the slot for uh, like the Game Boy format, so you can mm-hmm. load in Game Boy cartridges all the way up to Game Boy Advance cartridges without an mm-hmm. adapter. And they sell adapters for the other form factors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen people even doing like crazy, like Tower of Power kind of things with the <laughs> like analog pocket, the yeah. converter to go to Game Gear, the Game Gear to Sega Master System converter, and like the pro action replay for the Game Gear under that. Does it actually work? <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. But, uh, and then in the Sega Master System game. Um, mm-hmm. So on paper, I love this thing, right? Like this is like a combination of all these things that are like my very specific sort of like thing that I nerd out about, right? Is, is this, Mm -hmm. this device, right? In practice, Mm -hmm. this thing fucking sucks and I hate it. Like, really? Because, and you know, it's, it's not really like a lot of this is not their fault, right? So, Mm -hmm. so I, I, I'm in a situation that a lot of people are that we've talked about in the past in the show and that like, um, I had a, just an immense collection of Game Boy games, you know, like, um, the Game Boy, I I was always, you know, always in the Game Boy stuff. Um, that was my system, you know, that was what Mm I, you know, when it was my birthday, I was like, oh, I want these Game Boy games typically. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I had a a ton of the original ones, a ton of Game Boy Color games, and then when Game Boy Advance came out, like that was right about the time um, that I was like getting my first like de- semi decent job that afforded me a little bit of disposable income. Yeah. So that was just kind of my thing was like, oh, yeah. like oh okay, you know, like a lot of a lot of my friends were this way with like DVDs. You know, it was like oh new DVDs come out on Tuesday. I'm going to Best Buy and buying yeah. you know two or three uh, of them. I totally did that with games. <laughs> well, so that was me with the Game Boy Advance. You know, it was like every yeah. Thursday or whenever Nintendo games came out, I'd hit up GameStop on the way home and buy anything that looked interesting. And, yeah. um, you know, so my Game Boy Advance collection was like just crazy. Like the, I, I had everything that was good, you know, like, like every mm-hmm. game that you want to mm-hmm. play I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the, when the DS came out, I, I remember it, or no, maybe it was a 3DS. I don't remember. Like whenever they dropped the actual like Game Boy slot, I was DS like, light maybe no light had one, a slot. one of them dsi I, maybe yeah 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 i was like okay well these are just like legacy things now and um yeah. a lot of these games are still worth like an okay amount of money you know like five or ten bucks a piece or whatever yeah. um you know at, at the time this was still when like you know, vintage video game stuff had like zero value. And like, mm-hmm. you know, no one had even considered that everything might be extremely valuable at some point. Right. So it was just like, mm-hmm. fuck, I can trade in this whole bag of games and get like 200 bucks. That seems really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I had, I had all these games, right. So the analog pocket does not do any kind of uh, like ROM emulation on it. Like you need the cartridge to play it. Right. Yet. Yeah, well, yeah, it sure. It may or may not happen. Sure. Like, but here's like the caveat of this is like every other system they've released, there's been like the jailbreak has come out inside of like days of its shipping, mm-hmm. basically to allow you to play ROMs off like the SD slot or, or whatever, you know, the right. other ones had, right? This has been out for quite a while and mm-hmm. there's no sign of any kind of jailbreak. There's not really anyone saying anything official about any kind of jailbreak. Yeah. Um, you know, the community asks about it and people are just like, dude, don't worry about it. Just buy cartridges. Like, you know, they haven't said anything. It could be coming, it could not be coming. Like, yeah, all this stuff. So what I think is interesting about that is that it 
from what I understand is that um, all previous analog systems ran uh, like a third-party OS, and that <clears throat> the the people basically responsible for making that OS were essentially the same people that released the jailbreak, and that's why yeah, it would always yeah. come so quickly out. And it was lo- sort of like, hey, we're not officially releasing it with this because that makes a lot of illegal stuff possible, but essentially we're releasing it right after <clears throat> yeah and not you know under our brand name or anything like that yeah so <clears throat> the, there's a and lot so of the the, po- the pocket though i think does re- they created their own os for this yeah it's it's and i think it was the OS first time they've done that and so that might be one of the reasons that they don't want to have it trifled with or whatever is because they created this from scratch just for the pocket um, but then I also think we were talking about this in chat a couple of days ago that like anybody that wants to play basically every system up to like PSP can do so for less than a hundred bucks mm-hmm. with like something from Amazon. And right, right. if you want to just run ROMs, like there's way easier and cheaper ways of doing it than spending 250 bucks on a pocket or however much they cost. So yeah. And that's the <clears> thing too. Like that's what kind of like bums me out about the whole thing is that like, uh-huh. and you know, I've read a lot of like theory crafting on the analog uh, pocket subreddit, you know, where like everyone's just kind of yeah. hanging out and shooting the shit about like how mad they are that there's no jailbreak and stuff. And yeah. <laughs> um, some people think that the reason we haven't seen one yet is because there's just not going to be one because analog is trying to kind of position themselves as like this, um, like away from that whole emulation scene, you know, where it's like, yeah, you have these junky emulators you can buy on Amazon. But mm-hmm. ours is like the real deal that plays the cartridges. And like, if yeah. you want the real experience, you want the real analog thing and the real right, cartridge. Right, right. And that is like our product and our brand kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. which, which I which think is sucks because uh, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like, I think it's smart for them to do something like that. Um, and, you know, so I don't want to say that I feel like I'm, bamboozled with this because of course like i knew what i was getting into right but but at the same time like this has been sort of there's been some level of precedent with the previous systems where it's like yeah you play your cartridges on it but you can also just load roms onto it it does really great you know hardware accurate emulation and all this stuff and that's kind of what i was expecting right so now yeah now i'm backed into this really weird annoying corner with this thing where it's like i have this thing that i really want to play games on I yeah. literally the only cartridge that I still have is uh, Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages. Yeah. And I, I think I might have seasons around here somewhere in some box. I feel mm-hmm. like I bought them as a pair on eBay, not mm-hmm. like, a, you know, a few years ago or something like that. Um, and the problem is like all the fucking games that I want to play are games that I owned before that now are selling on eBay for like $100 each easy yeah. all day long yeah, for shitty it, messed up yeah. cartridges with like the labels that are beat up and all this other stuff, you know? Yeah. And well, yeah, we talked about this a couple days ago where we were like, dude, I would be all about this, like true authentic using cartridges. I even think there's something really nice about using actual cartridges in a system because it sort of like prevents you from like being confused on what to play or whatever. Like you're focused on that game that's in the slot. Yeah. And there's something nice about that. But as two people who've owned basically every game for every system ever, at some point in time, it hurts really bad to go back and be like, well, I really want to build a GBA collection. Right. I need like thousands of dollars to do that. Right. Like I was like, I was like, all right, well, I don't need all the games I had before. But, you know, like I put together like a short list of like 
10 games, you know, like the two Metroid games, like the, yeah. the, um, Castlevania games are really good. You yeah. know, like a couple of like Final Fantasy tactics is really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, buying just those games would be like a fucking thousand dollars. It sucks. It sucks. So I, and <clears> it's, you know, it, what, what's the worst part about it is that like, you know, for the longest time, I feel like when we started, uh, you know, we first started doing touch arcade, uh, you know, a decade or more ago now and like emulators mm-hmm. started popping up. Um, I kind of had the, like a more negative attitude towards emulation in general, right? Because it was like, you know, people who post in ROMs all the time when like a new emulator pop up and I'd be like, Hey man, this is like piracy. Like you're posting yeah, these, yeah, yeah. these things like, um, you know, like, like this, this is the stolen game, what you're doing right now. Right. 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 But now that, you know, I, I kind of thought about it and, and everything else, it's like, Man, I don't know. You can flip a coin as to what's like more ethically questionable between downloading a ROM for a game that you bought before and paying some shithead on eBay a hundred dollars for that same game. Because it's not like, you know, and you know, it it would be one thing if like I could go to Nintendo and they had like, oh, here we, you know, here's the whole library, like collector's edition uh cartridges that are like 50 bucks a piece or something like like original retail price and like the money went to nintendo or the you know cut in with the original studios and stuff then i would be like yeah emulating is shitty like like there's a way to get these games you should get them like the way that you know is supporting the proper channels that made these games and developers made these games and the company that made the platform possible and all that stuff right but but if i bought metroid zero mission for 100 bucks on ebay Literally yeah. no one is that was had anything to do with that is getting a penny other than some shithead that might have found it, yeah. you know, at a flea market for five bucks right. that like, you know, bought it from someone that didn't know what they had and yeah, all this other stuff, you know. So it's a complicated situation. I agree. Um <sighs> and then <clears throat> there's another, you know, I've been like <clears throat> there's a really huge aspect of preservation in like the ROM community too, where yeah, a lot of people want to just click a button and download a thousand ROMs, but like a lot of people are like, I want this. We're doing this to preserve these files because yeah. otherwise nobody else is doing the work. And um, I, I could almost see, you know, if Analog's attitude was like, we wanted to be the not pirated company of, of hardware or whatever, um, them being able to try and use that to partner with companies to start reproducing cartridges or something like that, um, which would be awesome because it's like, hey, <clears throat> We can re- reproduce, you know, we got the licenses to a certain number of Game Boy games or whatever. We can actually make carts again. Oh, yeah. I'd be um, so all not, about that. All <clears throat> yeah, about that it. would be really cool. Or even like um, what the Evercade does with like little collection carts where it's like, hey, we have like, you know, the Atari collection of a bunch of games on one cart or whatever. Um, doing stuff like that would be would be pretty cool because I agree it sucks having to be in this weird secondary market. Yeah. And um I, I I agree with you that I don't know which is more ethically wrong. I feel like the asshole on eBay charged gouging people for stuff like this. But at the same time, if I own something valuable, I mean, I'd sell it on eBay too. I, like thing, I, I like, sold all my Dreamcast games. So. It's like it's like hardly <clears throat> even like you can really hardly even call it gouging because like some of these auctions that I was watching, like like typically the buy it now is like when you look at it, you're like, whoa, holy shit, like that's a lot of money. Yeah. And then you like yeah, look yeah. at ones that have like active bids and you watch those for a while. It's like, holy shit, like that closed inside of like, you know, a few dollars from the buy it now yeah. one, you know? So it's like, right. this is like the market, like genuinely like people yeah. that want to buy these things dictating the price of them. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it, 
it sucks. And I just like, I, I wish I could wrap my head around like why it is that Nintendo and companies like Nintendo have these like huge product lineups of things that people like genuinely want. Yeah. Um, and, and would be simple to make mm-hmm. now just like don't and let this like mm-hmm. crazy secondary market just run wild and have all these people make all this money that they're not seeing mm-hmm. a penny of, you know, like, and, you know, mo- most recently, like these, the mini consoles is such a good example of that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why they didn't just pump out millions of those NES classics, you know, mm-hmm. and instead it was like, yeah. I was lucky enough to get one and like immediately after they were like 500 bucks on Craigslist and right. you know, you can't buy them now if you wanted to, which has spawned this like whole market of like knockoff, like fake yeah. NES classics. And yeah, to the point that like, if you wanted to buy <clears throat> one now, like I don't even know how you would tell if it was legit or not. And I, I guess I yeah. don't even really know yeah. if it matters that much, but I, I, I think of like Nintendo and I'm like, you guys, Nintendo is the king of handhelds of all time. So like, why wouldn't you have released a little handheld Wi-Fi capable with a virtual console on it with all your handheld games, your Game Boys, all the Game Boy stuff, even maybe if you could squeeze in DS stuff or whatever. But like, have, if you wanted to sell online subscriptions, like tie it to that. Be like, hey, Nintendo Switch yeah. Online. I, it makes things tricky because the Switch is handheld. But like, I'm thinking of something that's like actually pocketable. Um, that's like this little standalone thing that you could download games to officially through their virtual console so like, which would have been awesome an rg 351v but with the nintendo logo on it basically yeah basically that yeah um i don't know why they never did that i feel like that would have been a gold mine too but um i don't know they're letting everyone else do it so yeah I don't know, but i will say so i will say that this last couple of weeks i've been getting heavy into doing emulation on the steam deck mm-hmm. because they released um this thing called emudeck.com. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I did. It's essentially just a really uh, clever like scripting tool that um, you run it and it downloads all the stuff you need for all the different old consoles um, through like RetroArch and stuff like that and then configures everything for the deck, for the controls and for the screen and blah, 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 blah. So it's like a pre-configure tool. And then it was announced recently the emulation station which is like a, a really popular front end for most of these handheld emulation devices use something like emulation station um the steam deck now works with the desktop version of emulation station and that works hand in hand with emu deck hmm. and so getting emulation running on the steam deck now is like a few clicks and then transferring your roms over or whatever and then you can go through and get weird and like download art and you make everything pretty or whatever. But like just getting things up and running is like significantly easier now than it was before. And um, so that's been fun. I've gone down the yet the millionth rabbit hole of like getting all my ROMs sorted out and getting everything yeah. I wanted or well, whatever. But that was the good thing about um, I'm sure what, what was the Raspberry Pi? Um, it was like you just download an image that had like every emulator like already mm-hmm. set up with like a mm-hmm. nice front end and there's a bunch of different ones, yeah. Yeah. Like like that that sort of thing. Um I, I just I, I don't know. I, that that's what I like is like configuring all that crap sucks. And yeah. using RetroArch itself is a sucky experience if you don't really know what you're doing. So having it all kind of done for you is pretty nice. But yeah. um I'm but really I'll, I'll always surprised that, uh, that like the, the retroarch experience just like continues to be so shitty because like that's honestly like the worst part of the RG351V and like similar devices is like, yeah, they have their little front end that's really easy to use, but like 
if you actually want to like get anything a little bit deeper than that, like, you know, get involved in like the retro achievements or like other stuff, like just mm-hmm. go through this, like, like truly absurd GUI of like yeah. stuff in the dumbest menus imaginable. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's just like, yeah. why, how, how, how do you have this like amazing piece of software that like yeah. no one has just done like a UI UX pass on? Yeah. You know, like, Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's just a legacy situation where it's been around so long that you sort of like, what do you do? You try and roll with it. They they did do a big revamp. There's like a modern UI that you can use or there's like a desktop version UI that you can use. And from what I understand is most people that grew up kind of with RetroArch use the desktop one that allows you to do a million different things, but it's really complicated stuff. And that the more streamlined modern one is kind of like, that's the only one I really know how to use. But the problem with RetroArch is I'll go in and I'll be like, oh, I changed the thing. And then you back out from 30 menus and then you're like, oh, I don't like this. I want to change it back. And you're like, I don't even remember where I was yeah. to right. flip that switch again right. or whatever. And, and what's <clears throat> the other thing that's confusing too is that like RetroArch has um, like uh, system-wide settings and then per game yeah. settings. Yeah. And like it's yeah. it's very confusing like which is which and what you're changing. And yeah. I can't even tell you the number of times where I've like, uh, had a game that was running a little weird and like made some tweaks yeah. in it and, but like did yeah. it in the wrong place. And it was like the whole thing yeah. was fucked up and <laughs> yeah, I've done it too. Um, yeah. So this the, using MU deck is really nice because um, it does all the correct aspect ratios, which makes me really happy because by default you'll, you'll run something. It'll just automatically stretch it to the full screen of whatever oh, cool. screen you're using. And it looks like garbage. So this one does all the right aspect ratios for all the different consoles and there's some weird ones, too, like Super Nintendo is like 4, 8, or I don't know, you know, weird stuff. Um, and then it will add um, the overlays for the the bars that it creates on the sides, so it'll look like a little Game Boy Advance on the sides, or, oh, you know, cool. whatever. And if you yeah, nice. don't like that stuff, that's actually an easy thing to just toggle off and just make it black again. Um, and then there's a few emulators where they actually configure, like, um, some of the shaders to make it look like... Um, like uh, scan lines things and, and stuff like that. Like try to emulate the actual screen of the, the system you're playing, um, which I can take or leave some of that stuff. But again, it's something you can go and, and turn off yourself pretty easily if you don't like it. But um, I will say that I've, I, I'm one of those people that's like, if I play like handheld games on emulators, I want it to be small. Right. And I have my win max, which has like a, a seven inch screen or whatever it is. It's a pretty large screen for a handheld. And it always felt like, I'm playing a Game Boy game that's like this big as my head, and that's felt off. Um, I think the Steam Deck screen is like the perfect happy medium between like an actual RG handheld screen and something larger because it doesn't feel overly big to play a Game Boy game or a Game Gear game or something. Um, But then it's also nice and big for playing like console games and stuff like that, where some of those will feel a little too tiny on like a smaller handheld. Um, So it's just like, perfect little emulation device i really really like playing like game boy advance and stuff on it so yeah um yeah i don't know that's something to look forward to i think you'll probably gravitate more towards something like that than um yeah. starting up a cartridge collection probably. for your pocket yeah i mean it just sucks and it's like there's no there's no like real like win with this thing right it's either like yeah. spend a ton of money on cartridges from like resellers that you know i i feel is very overpriced yeah. Um, wait indefinitely for some jailbreak that may or may not ever come. And mm-hmm. then there's like option 
C, which is buy a flash cart, which it, for whatever reason, these things are like wildly expensive as well right now. Oh, like, really? You know, like yeah. the, the quote unquote, like good one is like a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. then once you have that, um, there's still all kinds of like weird compatibility stuff and like ROM patching and all this other shit that you need to do. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like, I don't know. It, there's like no great solution for. Well, and if you just sell that or something, yeah. it, the next day it'll be like the best jailbreak ever know, is released for the That's... pocket. And it's the coolest device ever now. That was kind of the thing. I was like, oh, man, this thing is kind of expensive. It's like it's like more expensive than uncomfortable just like throwing a desk drawer and forgetting about yeah. Um, and you know, I definitely could sell it on eBay and get my money back and even make, you know, 20 or 30 bucks. I mean, they're, they're, the resale yeah. value on these things is not crazy, but like, right. which probably would just be eaten by shipping and eBay fees anyway. So it basically True. just kind of be a wash, but, but yeah, no, I know, I, I know that I would do that. And then like the next week it would be like, holy shit, check it out. It's uh analog OS 2.0. It's like, that yeah. basically makes this the RG351V on crack yeah. that you were hoping it was going to be. <laughs> oh, and you want to buy one again? Well, yeah. Oh, guess $600 what? $600 yeah. because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're impossible to get. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. It just it just really sucks that like the, like the cheaper device is honestly just like a better experience across yeah. the board on everything to do with this but like the for, the screen on this thing is so good that it's like that's that would have been the number one selling point for me i i thought about trying to get one and i was eventually like you know what i got enough things and yeah. so i didn't but that the screen was like the big selling point especially with all the previews that oh, came dude, out before the pre-orders came up i yeah. was like oh my god it's like iphone it's like an iphone tier screen i mean it's like yeah and now like just fiddling around with the one cartridge I have and playing it, then like being like, oh, this kind of sucks. I'm going to go back to playing on my RG351V. It's like, oh, now this thing sucks because like the screen yeah. is. <laughs> no, no, I can't even enjoy yeah. this thing. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I it's don't like, know. I, uh... it's like the, stu- I, and I realize this is like the stupidest, most pedantic thing to complain about. And I like, yeah. I like, I'm like going through these phases of like being mad about all these things and then being mad at myself for being mad about these things. Cause it's like, how fucking this dumb. thing is exactly as advertised. I am so mad. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, why are you so fucking stupid? Because it's funny to listen to our conversation. And then somewhere else, there's a podcast where two people with massive game libraries oh, yeah, no, are talking course, about yeah. how awesome the pocket is and they love it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. yeah, I think if I was you, I would hold on to it, uh, put it back in the box, even if you're not going to tinker with it or buy like, uh, four or five of like the cheaper Game Boy games that you want. Maybe even try to like discover some that you heard were good, but never played yourself or something like that. Buy a few cartridges and, um, you know, you don't have to get crazy and like collect them all, but like buy some things and just play it. That's what I was going to do. I mean, like, so when we're done recording this, I got a little bit of shit left to do. And then I was going to go run to Costco and like at the mall nearby, there's this like retro game shop. That's got a good collection. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll budget like, Fifty to hundred dollars on this, yeah. and you know that'll probably get me like you know Tetris and you know a couple other things that I can just play and enjoy and not worry about too yeah. much. And you know. yeah, and then you can like yeah get get Tetris DX, and then you probably don't even want to change that out of the, the yeah. slot. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I would do something like that, um, and then it, it'll force you too to like play and beat games that you mm-hmm. own you know what i mean so you can set them aside and be like okay i'm ready to buy more yeah that's, that's um, it might kinda... even be like a nice facilitator for actually yeah. completing games instead of having game choice paralysis all the no, time like I, I always I, do, yeah so. dude like 
it, it's crazy. Like when we, um, you know, so we live like 45 minutes away from Knoxville. So like when we go into town for dinner or other, you know, stuff, we can't get out here, you know, yeah. bring my, uh, RG three fifty one V when Lindsay drives to, you know, with the intention of being like, Oh, I'll play some game boy in the car. And yeah, I'll spend 45 minutes browsing the fucking Just scroll, like yeah. the list of ROMs that are on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's yeah. the other worst the thing that sucks too, is that like, you know, when you have like the entire collection of game boy advance games on the thing, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot like, like free to play mobile games. You know, it's like, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll play something for like five minutes and be like, all right, well, I'm going to play something else. And then like yeah. you, are in the state where it's like, oh, my, all my recent played games I've played for three to five yeah. minutes and, yeah, you know, all that crap. So, yeah, I don't know. yeah, I try to be really good. I did this with my RG and, and whatever, but um, trying to be really good about not loading like entire game libraries oh, onto there me. and, I got and the... setting some aside. Or if I do, having them be in a different folder. And then yeah. having like a favorites up front and then a folder of all the other games if I just randomly decide I want to play something from the back catalog. But otherwise, I have like the stuff I know I will actually play like in front of my face. Yeah, no, um, I, bu- I bought and it the, helps a little, but not a lot. The big the big dog uh, SD yeah. card. So I've got like every NES game, every, every single Game Boy game of every Game Boy iteration. Like yeah. I think uh, yeah. I think where I stopped was like I had to get choosy with the PlayStation games I had because like once you get into CD-ROM, you know, they start to get to, big. Yeah, yeah, they start to get real big. Um, yeah. You know what would actually be interesting? I, I wonder if this will happen someday. Is like if you look at um, like where the data actually is on a CD-ROM, like what's taking up space, it's all that like uncompressed CD audio music. Mm-hmm. And like I always I always wonder when, I, when, I, you know, when I'm, I'm fiddling around with PlayStation images and stuff, like if there mm-hmm. ever is going to be a project in the future where it's like, you can point it at your directory of PlayStation disc images and it like goes through it and like compresses that audio down to like MP3 or something else that then the Mm -hmm. emulator would know that like fancy image format and then just plays Mm -hmm. it normally, you know, because like if you have a 700 or 650 megabyte CD and you've got 600 megabytes of audio that could be like, Mm -hmm. you know, 50 worth of MP3 data. And it's like, then you've got a 90 megabyte game instead, potentially. Like, yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that that's happened over the years. Um, I think as storage has gotten like cheaper and yeah. more readily available, it's become less of an issue. But there's actually, um, I forget what it's called, um, RVZ on like the Dolphin for like GameCube and Wii. Um, the people that made the, the Dolphin emulator um, actually, I think, came up with this compression technique or whatever called RVZ. But it basically, I think it just compresses all the like, um, like video, like the uh, full motion video cutscenes and things like that. Um, but then preserves all the like end game um, graphics and things like that. So mm-hmm. you get drastically smaller files, but you get like lower resolution like cutscenes. But it's like seems fine. a third the file size or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I think, and I think there's similar things like with audio, like what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, well, I know a lot of the, um, <clears throat> so you can't do it on these um, like less powerful devices, um, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that like most of like, if you wanted to play an emulator, like on your Mac or something, like it would just run straight from the mm-hmm. zip file and that, or the seven zip file or yeah. whatever, you know, which like greatly. A reduces, lot of emulators. Yeah. Which like yeah. the, these little handheld things just like don't have the horsepower to be able to like be decompressing on the fly and also emulating and all that fun stuff. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a wacky world, but I will say, uh, adapt. 
great for emulation. I've been ignoring the my Steam game some more. Hey, oh, look at that dog. I think, I think the uh, I think the FedEx person's here, and they both got buzzed by their bark collars. So now this is this is what yeah. this dog does is immediately run to my lap when he, he knows that he did something wrong something vibrated help me it does it, all it does is buzzes um, like that doesn't even it doesn't shock him yeah. it doesn't do anything it just buzzes when he barks and that's all all it needs to really yeah. freak him out yeah um, same with my dog <laughs> so yeah uh, i don't know i guess a real weird review of the analog pocket both the um the coolest and most irritating thing that i own right now yeah yeah um i get it i get it and I, like uh, but if i if i never sold all my Game Boy advance games i would be in hog heaven uh, right now that's the thing that I sucks know. and that's I like I, that's what irritates me so much about it is that like i had all the shit that i would want to play on this you know mm-hmm. yeah and it's like yeah it's Im- I, impossible to rationalize a cartridge that I bought for thirty dollars, traded into GameStop for five, and then rebuying for hundred dollars. Like that's just I know. I just can't. Oh, it sucks. I think about all the games I've traded over my lifetime, and just it makes me sick to my stomach. But what are you gonna do? I. Uh, it's always something stupid too. Like oh man, this box is taking up so much space in my closet. I'm gonna get rid of these. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Oh, if I could take it all back. Um, I know. And then, so anyway, then I was thinking, about, I, um, I got in this really weird, like mental rabbit hole of like, man, I yeah. wish I could just go back in time and tell myself like not to trade in my games. And I was like, and then I was like, got mad at myself for being like, that is the dumbest thing to be thinking. Like if you go back in time, like really <laughs> yeah. the thing that you would do would be like, don't That's trade in your you shit change. at GameStop. Yeah. You wouldn't like tell your dad, like, Hey, get a colonoscopy or like buy Bitcoin yeah. or any of this other stuff. Like you would go, you would try to intercept yourself going to GameStop. Yeah. Yeah. Look, you can change one thing about your life. What would it be? Yeah. That. Yeah, it would be it would be me finger wagging my giant bag of Game Boy games being yeah. traded in. So don't do it. Don't. Uh, yeah. So whatever. Buy Apple stock, and then you can re- rebuy all those Game Boy Advance <laughs> yeah. games someday yeah, at yeah. inflated prices, and you won't care. Yeah, yeah. Or buy buy Bitcoin when they cost less than a cent, and then just who cares? Your <laughs> life is free from there on out. Yeah. yeah. So oh, so many things. Uh, Anywho, jumping over to actual mobile game discussion, that's what this podcast is all about sometimes. Um, Well, Analog Pocket counts. Went back. It's it's a handheld mobile gaming device, so I think it counts. Um, uh, I went back to last week to pick a few stories, too, so we'll try and zip through all these because there's a lot for us. Um, So the Ace Attorney Trilogy... HD that is available on the App Store and has been for almost a decade um, is getting delisted in June. Um, they're going to re-release it as the version that has been released on consoles over the past couple years that has like true widescreen support and better uh, updated visuals and all that good stuff, um, which is great, except that they're doing it as a new release, so you'll have to rebuy this, which isn't great. But then again, this game has been around for almost a decade, so if you bought it a decade ago and then you have to rebuy it again now to get the better version, I think that's okay. I don't know. I don't. Know. It could have been released as an update. It could, I don't know. I feel like if Apple had a paid upgrades path, it might be something that people would do in a situation mm-hmm. like this. Do you want the 
updated version or not. Well, yeah, um, I mean, we've talked about that for a million years. Like that, uh, yeah. that would have like drastically changed the trajectory of the app store if developers could yeah. charge for updates on stuff, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, man. not Instead even of grooming people to, to want free updates for everything forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's whatever, but these attorney games are awesome. The trilogy itself is great. Um, I'm looking forward to this new version because almost every Ace Attorney game is on iOS, which I think is cool and a great way to play them. So um, you can like play the whole series, basically. So yeah, I mean, um, are, are no I idea. Maybe one of the better ways to play the whole series, honestly. Like, yeah, I would say so. Like the the Switch version already has like touch controls and stuff too. So it's yeah. like you know, um, but I would. Uh, I nobody knows how much they're going to charge for this one. Um, it's. I think 30 bucks on console, but is on sale a bunch for 15. So I feel like 15 wouldn't be too crazy. That's five bucks a game. That seems pretty reasonable. So, yeah. um, that's, I mean, God, considering those, getting delisted in June, I, I'm pretty sure when those first launched, they were $40 cartridges, right? Oh yeah, for Which, sure. Yeah. If you want to go on eBay, you sure you can buy them for a hundred bucks right now. So <laughs> yeah, $5 is quite yeah. a value comparatively. <laughs> um, but anyway, if you for whatever, whatever reason and never bought this old version and want it, uh, you have till June to go buy it. Otherwise, wait for the better version and rebuy that. Um, Diablo Immortal News, the game went up for pre-order on iOS. Um, it lists a June 30th release date, but um, they have said that's not the actual release date. It's kind of placeholder. Um, my feelings is that it'll be sooner than June 30th. The game feels super ready to go. Um they might just be getting their ducks in a row in terms of like marketing and figuring out the actual launch date and stuff like that. I'm excited for this. Could be wrong. Maybe it's after June 30th, but I don't know why you'd put it up for pre-order then if, if you thought it would be after the date you set as a placeholder. Um, So when is BlizzCon typically uh, like it? I wonder if they launch it like around. Yeah. It's like, isn't it like November or something like that or October maybe, but and then they had to cancel one though, and then they did the online BlizzCon in like yeah, February yeah, yeah, the next yeah. year or something like that. So I feel like the timeline has shifted, and I don't know what's what anymore. Um, so really, anything could happen. But yeah, launching this during if they do a BlizzCon. Did, did we talk about what? E3 just being no more? Oh no, we didn't. Um, well, I mean, it's not officially no more. It's officially canceled for this year, which oh, okay. is massive writing on the wall. Yeah. But it's very normal. You for, know, like, it could come back next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It does seem like E3 is kind of done. Bittersweet, I would say. More sweet than bitter for me. It's, it's really wild that, like, I mean, Scott, like, so um, E3, when it first started, was kind of like hooked into the Consumer Electronics Show, right? And that took place in Chicago. At the McCormick mm-hmm. Center, you know, and I remember growing up as a kid reading Nintendo Power and all the other magazines talking about like, oh, you know, about this huge video game thing that happened <clears> like <throat> yeah. in the city that I lived. And it was always like, yeah, like I remember reading those being like, God, I would, I, I would give anything just to go to that. But it was an industry event. Same. Like you couldn't just walk in as some yeah. random person. Right. Same. And then like yeah. when we finally like, you know, through Touch Arcade, we were able to go to. I mean, it was like a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. But it was like, I don't know, just like yeah. one of these things where it's like, um, one of the few times in it in our our jobs where it's just like I cannot believe that I get to do this and I'm getting paid for this kind of yeah. thing, right? Like it was just really neat. I totally agree. Really neat to just be there, and um, yeah. But it just seems this like it's gotten so irrelevant, and 
I, I just like, I don't know where they go from here with it, you know? Well, yeah. So I'm with you. And I remember the first few years I was with Touch Arcade um, was years that E3 fell on the same week as WWDC. And you were always the guy to go to E3 by yourself, which that's oh, yeah. a big show to try and be there by yourself for. But well, I would sucked. stick back and do Apple stuff. Um, eventually, they started getting on on different weeks, and we would be able to go together, which was always cool. I lo- lots of great memories of us going to E3 and doing wacky stuff. But also, um, lots of like dread of it coming up because it is so much work and it's so busy. So many people, the is just all like that so, stuff. So big. Like it's, it's it like one of these, big, and yeah. everything you have to walk to, you know, because you're in like the heart of Los Angeles yeah. and it's like, takes yeah. you just as long to get somewhere in a car as it does to walk. So you might just walk. Right. And like, right. God, I remember, I don't remember if it was in, this was in the era of Apple watches or Fitbit, but I just remember like being amazed how many miles yeah. we were walking each day, like doing basically yeah. nothing other than like just looking at video games, you know, not like oh right going out yeah. of our way to walk or anything else like that. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. I, so we eventually um, in 2017, actually, um, I actually had a family member pass away right before E3 and we canceled our plans to go to it because um, I had to go to his funeral and stuff. So we changed. We were like, we'll switch this trip to PAX, uh, PAX West in mm-hmm. Seattle. Right. And yeah. That was the first year that we went to PAX together. You had done it a few years before on your own or whatever. Um and it was just like such a different vibe and a better vibe than E3. Yeah, it was um, it was very consistent. And then I think the next focused, couple right? years we went we did packs instead of E3 on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um because E3 had become irrelevant. Irre- 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 um but also because because it was becoming irrelevant, they were like having like combo industry slash consumer shows. So they they let in like fifty thousand regular people that just got tickets for it or whatever. And it was like, yeah, from our perspective, it was like, that's a hard convention to cover when it's just industry people there. You're going to shove a 50,000 more regular people in and makes it that much crowded, more crowded. Um, it just became like sort of silly to even try and cover. And then in terms of like mobile stuff, there wasn't really much there that was like, I mean, we would always find the interesting stuff, but like PAX had much more mobile stuff for us to yeah, cover. Yeah, I think what was um, what was kind of interesting, what would come out of E3 that would be show, sort of interesting was there, there would be these like weird little like nooks that would be like, hey, we're a mobile yeah. accessory company. It's got all this crazy Bluetooth shit. And yeah, that was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, right. I mean, right. the problem is like, you know, I don't know where an E3 exists in a world where if you like want to make corporate level announcements like you can just put together your own twitch stream or youtube stream or whatever else yeah um if you want to like hit consumers there's these way more better way better um consumer focused shows so like where does e3 land in there like i don't know yeah because remember like what last year e3 was just like a weird like kind of two week floating window where like trailers got released basically Something like that, yeah. And and most of the major players would do something maybe during the same week, but not affiliated with mm-hmm. E3. They do their own thing. And nowadays, with like the Nintendo Direct model, there really is no reason because if if Xbox wants to announce a bunch of stuff, the world's going to stop to watch it. Yeah, so you, they can yeah. do it on their clock. So and arguably, it's um, better to do yeah. so that way because then you can just pick like a random yeah. Tuesday in the middle of September where nothing's going on. You're and not then fighting like, for attention. Yeah, like everyone's focused on you. Whereas like, man, stuff would happen at E3 where. 
like I'd be talking to a friend of mine about like it, a couple of weeks later and they would be like totally focused on some game that like I didn't even realize was a thing because it's just like, yeah. you know, the, the right. avalanche of stories and stuff that would come out yeah. in that like three day period yeah. basically it made it, you yeah. know, real difficult. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Rippy three. I was like you though. And growing up in the nineties reading game mags would love to go to a show like E3 just thought it was like a dream. Yeah. So to actually be able to go, um, for many years, uh, was really awesome. And, um, I will miss it in that sense, but I won't miss how much work it is. I won't miss LA and, uh, I'll, I'll the actually, craziness of I'm, it. I miss the, the one thing that I miss the most is the LA live yard house. Dude. Yeah. Where we would live for yeah. a whole week, every meal <laughs> at the yard house. Not mad at that. No. Or El Compadre across the street. Yeah. Which was uh really good food around there. Really yeah. good food, real good beer. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho, sorry, E three. You yeah. were flew too close to the side. But you know what has survived uh, is Streets of Rage uh, sequels. What a great save boy. Thank you for that. Um yeah, this was really cool news. Not I've thought about it before. I'm happy it's actually happening. It's not too surprising, but um, Play Digits is going to bring Streets of Rage 4 to iOS and Android next month. Um, seems like a perfectly good fit for mobile. Should work well on touchscreen and stuff like that. It's just a beat-em-up. But um, this game, uh, really well-received on consoles. It's totally one of my favorite games in the last several years. And um, I think it'll be a, a nice, find a nice home on on uh, mobile devices. And um, Play Digits usually does a really good job bringing premium stuff to mobile like this so pretty cool um it'll be launching on may 24th it is up for pre-registration on um both ios and android uh the pre-registration price is 7.99 i think that might be a discounted price i can't remember but um either way it's like 20 on the switch right or something like that 20 or 30 it was 20 or 30 when it first came out it's definitely been on sale a bunch but um yeah i uh i love this game it's uh it's got a lot to it too for a beat 'em up. So um, look for this one next month on mobile. I will play it again for a fourth time. I think would be the fourth platform I played it on. This, this is, I still haven't played this game. I know it's like it's on my list of things that I know I'd really like, but just like I know if I bought it, it would just sit in the backlog. And what Streets of Rage? Mm-hmm. No, you hate Streets of Rage. Don't you hate Streets of Rage? The original one just didn't do anything for me. Oh, because <laughs> it was just like it's such so basic. Streets of Rage Four is really really good. Yeah, that's that's what everyone said. So. Um, so I had wrote about this before that, um, I think it was in November that, uh, Rovio announced they were going to bring back some of their games that they had pulled off the app store because of compatibility issues. Um, one of the first ones they wanted to release was angry birds. They were rebuilding the entire game in unity so that it would work again, uh, which is no small feat. And, um, based on fan demand, the, uh, the, the version they were targeting was like a, a version from 2012 right after the mighty eagle got added but before a lot of the expansion additional expansion packs got added and Mm. and all the in-app purchase stuff that followed the mighty eagle so this has finally come to fruition it's called uh, rovio classics angry birds and it's essentially the original angry birds with all the content up to the mighty eagle in 2012 point I've had a lot of people, I've seen a lot of threads on Reddit and stuff like that, people being like, oh, what the hell? Like, it doesn't include this expansion, this is blah, 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 blah. 
missing the point the point that this was based on the 2012 version of the game as per fan request. Yeah. Um, and being like, oh, there was 30,000 packs in the version they pulled, and this one only has 10, and Rovio's screwing us over, and blah, 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 blah. I don't know if they'll add any of those additional like DLC packs down the road. I don't know if they do, if it will be a free update or a paid DLC or whatever. A lot of people are being very cynical, being like, oh, they're going to charge us for these packs again later or whatever. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, what I do know is that this is a fully new game. So if you own the original Angry Birds, it doesn't matter. It's not like an update to that version or anything. You have to rebuy this one. It's 99 cents. And it comes with a crap ton of levels, really. Um, but it's all the original Angry Birds goodness. Um, so no power-ups or things like that. It's just the levels and the different birds and you. And then there's the Mighty Eagle, which was like an IAP cheater item, really, is all yeah. it really was. It allowed you to like be level yeah auto win a level just to pass by it. Um, and so you can actually use that now. It's on an hour cooldown. Instead of being an in-app purchase, it just comes included. But if you use it, you got to wait another hour to use it again, which I feel like is a pretty fair compromise. Um, I think they don't want to add in-app purchases to this. Um, if they do, it would be like just as DLC, not like a in-game currency and power-up situation like what the original game evolved into eventually and like what angry birds 2 is really all about um i think they want to keep this game pure i i know it's not easy to rebuild a game in a different engine the way they have so it's a lot of work that's gone into this and maybe um the extra packs that weren't released as this ver as this as part of this version are just they just take time to rebuild you know it could be that they're coming or maybe it's just this is the way they'll release it and they'll leave it this way and they did give people what they want, the original Angry Birds. Yeah. So have you seen anyone either way grumping about the physics being any different? Because I remember like that's typically what happens when when they re when you re-release a game like this with an engine swap, yeah. like that Tony Hawk remake and stuff. Yeah. I thought it was really good, but like yeah. people yeah. that were really into it were like, you know, it's just a little bit off. Yeah. I haven't noticed anyone talking about it, but it's not doesn't mean that it's not out there. And me personally, I don't really notice a difference. I've been having fun replaying through this. And to me, it seems the physics were always sort of like wonky on purpose, right? Yeah. And like unpredictable and, and stuff like that. So this, it still feels that way to me. Um, some levels you feel like you launch everyone the same and you don't win. And then other levels you feel like you launch it exactly the same way and everything crashes down and you get a high score or whatever. It's like hard to tell. But um, I always thought that was kind of the appeal of Angry Birds. But, but anywho... Um, yeah, kind of crazy that they rebuilt this game, and um, from my point of view, it still feels pretty much the same. So um, cool that they did that in the first place, and it's a buck. So I don't know if you want. I, I I know we had talked about this on the podcast before, but I have there's a PSP Minis version of Angry Birds, and it's it's almost like this same point in time. I think it's right before they added the Mighty Eagle, oh, really? but it includes all of the um, extra, you know. Uh, downloadable levels that had been released in the the few years since between a PHP version and the original Angry Birds and playing it the port itself kind of sucks because it stutters and that's not a fun experience when you're trying to like play a game like this but um just like the content and the vibe of it felt so pure and I always loved playing that PSP mini version because I was like it made you re it remind you of what Angry Birds used to be right right and so now this to me is that this is like oh this is the old Angry Birds, like, and the same vibe of it. 
from before, before it became like a sort of like cash machine type game. So pretty cool. I like this. Um, it's worth a buck, it's <laughs> even surprising. if they never add more levels to it. It's it's surprising that they didn't release it as an Apple Arcade like Angry Birds Plus game. Like I wonder, like well, so interestingly, there's Angry Birds Reloaded, and um, that's on Apple Arcade, and a lot oh. of people were like, "Isn't that what this is?" But that's not true because Angry Birds Reloaded is more like a greatest hits Angry Birds, and so it includes like a first couple sets of these same levels from the first game. Okay. And so I could see anybody that first started out playing the Apple arcade game being like, this is just the original angry birds levels. What is the deal? But as you get further, there's more and more stuff from other angry birds games. Um, whereas this just sticks to the original blueprint of the first game or whatever. So they are technically actually different from each other, but I could see why in the early goings of both games, you'd be like, these are all just the same levels. I don't get it. Um, but yeah, I that's kind of interesting too that they do have an Angry Birds. I wonder if that's the reason they did it because they already did this reloaded version that was kind of a reboot of the original, but kind of not. Um, maybe they thought it'd be confusing it to do a plus version. Oh, did you s- drop ninety nine cents? I did. Big spender. You, you know, I, I've rationalized spending up to a hundred dollars on Game Boy games. So I mean, what's another <laughs> right. hundred, what's another dollar? <laughs> yeah, but this is mobile games we're talking about. They have no value. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, <laughs> so one of my other favorite paid games ever, uh, Space Marshals 3 just got updated with its Chapter 3 expansion, which concludes the story. Um, so the the game, this game um, and was different from the other Space Marshals games. It was released episodically from the beginning, which was kind of cool because you got, it was a free to download and try a couple of levels and then you could buy the first chapter. And then like a year later, they released Chapter 2. And then like another year later, now we have Chapter 3. So um, maybe not quite a year, but, you know, pretty big gaps in between. Um, So now the game finally comes to its conclusion. And um, if you never bought any of the chapters, you can actually buy them in bundles that save you a couple of bucks here and there. Otherwise, they're five bucks a chapter, which is perfectly reasonable for a really good game. Um, these games are just awesome kind of like blends of top down shooter and tactical stealth games, which, uh, there's nothing really like that, uh, on the app store or that I can think of on other platforms. This is just a rad game series. So check this out if you haven't yet, because chapter three is out. I'm curious now where they go from here, because initially they released it episodically because they're like, okay, based on how well it does is how long we're going to keep adding stuff to it. It could be forever. Um, now that they're wrapping up the actual campaign, um, they have released a bundle of like just like challenge levels um, randomly in between chapter um, campaign levels. So I'm like, okay, maybe they'll they have more of those in store, or are they going to like work on a Space Marshals four, or did this not do good enough for them and they're just wrapping things up on this yeah. one? I don't really know. So curious to see where things go from here. But this whole series of Space Marshal games is amazing. If you haven't played them before, you should. Um, and then this is. The new game from the Dashy Crashy people, Mr. Oh, yeah. Traffic. Have you played the, this? I've been playing the shit out of this, yeah. Okay, so I haven't had a chance to fire this up yet, but Dashy Crashy is both one of our favorite games ever. Yeah. Perfect, like, kill a few minutes game. And yeah. um, I love the production values of it. It's a bunch of ex-Sega people, so it has that Sega arcade vibe of being, like, happy and bright and colorful and loud. Yeah. Um, that's what I always love that about Dashy Crashy. Um, no, in so addition this, to it being like a really good, like uh, twitchy game, but yeah. So, so the way this one, so works, what's this one about? It's, um, so imagine a, like a traffic cop standing in the center of a four way intersection and mm-hmm. cars pull up 
and um, mm-hmm. they'll have they'll either have their turn they, they they will have their turn signal on or will go straight. Um, and okay. I, I feel like the turn signal is not always reliable. Like that that's just kind of what they you know a lot like yeah. driving a real car. Like you don't really know if someone's yeah. actually going to turn or whatever. So <laughs> yeah. you tap on the cars as they come in, and your little uh-huh. police officer like you know blows the whistle and points at them, and then they can go through the intersection, right? So it's kind of okay. like a it's like a chaos management game sort of thing, and mm-hmm. that like. Okay. You know, the, the longer a car sits at the intersection, um, there's this mechanic where like the driver gets like angry, kind of like these different, um, like sandwich making games or like Sally spa or whatever, where like, if you're yeah. not like attending to someone, they like, they get yeah. madder, madder, madder until they leave. Yeah. Well with this, um, if you don't let them through the intersection, they get madder and madder, madder until they just go anyway. And so <laughs> yeah. it, there's this like nice. major uh, time crunch of like allowing everyone through. And you can also yeah. tap on someone that's moving and get them to stop. And I'm, that seems to reset the anger uh, thing for like uh, just a, a hair. Um, yeah. And you kind of go until there's an accident. And, there, you know, of course, just like Dashy Crash, here's all these different random events that happen. And you'll just get like an exclamation mark or something like that on like one side of the screen. Mm-hmm. And that means like, hey, there's you'll be like a police chase that comes through or like a a semi caravan or, you know, like other stuff like that, that like that you don't have any control of. And you just need to like stop traffic and allow that to pass. And, you know, a lot like Dashy, one of my favorite things about Dashy Crashy, and the reason I always tell people to check it out is because like, this is a game, you know, from a design perspective, this is a game that um, is even fun when you lose. Right. Because like, yeah, right. With Dashy Crashy, it's like, you know, you could hand it to a kid that doesn't even know what they're doing and like they might yeah. crash immediately. But then there's this whole like kind of like second act of like a a, a play experience. Steering where it's your like, crash. Into yeah, you're like steering your yeah. crash as you bounce around in this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love that. So this has kind of like a um, what was the name of that burnout mode that was like uh, like set up the ultimate crash sort of thing. Was it just oh, yeah. burnout crash yeah, yeah, yeah. or something? I don't remember. Yeah, I think but, just that. Yeah. Um, but so that's that's what happens is like so you get. No um so once you eventually crash, like the rest of the cars will eventually all just kind of mash together. Then some more will come in and you're like, and that'll be like kind of like the post game yeah. score multiplier is like how good you did navigating all the traffic. Yeah. And then like how epic of a pile up you can make. Which that, that post crash scene can add up to a lot of good oh, stuff yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it can be a game changer. Yeah. So, you, you know, you get coins for playing and of course you watch ads for more coins and spend those coins for, um, weird little yeah. cosmetic stuff. And yeah. It's fun. Yeah. You know, another nice. another good game from Dumpling Design. Yeah, that's one. When we're done recording, I'm going to fire up because uh, to still trying out the games from the week. But, what I, what uh, I like about it is that, it's uh, like it's it's very until you like get a hang of it, like the session times are very short. Like you'll you'll play yeah. for like 30 seconds at a time, which to me is pretty good for a mobile game. You're Same with like, Dashy well, Crashy, really. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll but then a lot like Dashy Crash, you'll have these runs where it's like everything's just going perfect. And you're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe yeah. I'm managing all this at once. And it like <laughs> it gives you yeah. a lot of like that um, kind of like feeling from the like the original flight control where it's just like, yeah, you, know, you get in the zone where it's like, I can't believe that I'm managing all this stuff. And it's yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. any of this can go wrong at any moment. But like somehow I'm hanging on like it's got yeah. a lot of yeah, that yeah. to it. So I like that. Highly recommend it. I like it a lot. Nice. Mr. Traffic. From Dumpling Design. Love those guys. Um, also love uh, LaserDog Games, who has made a bunch of cool games over the years. Hopico, I think, is probably my favorite. But um, their last few releases have kind of trended more towards, like, colorful, cheery, more... Not not really... It's hard to call them casual. Like, you would look at it and you'd say, 
oh, this is some casual game or whatever. But like they have a knack of like having a really simple casual idea, but adding like a really like extra layer for like hardcore players type thing. It's it's hard to explain, but they're really good at that. Um, that's super true with their new game, which is called Catchy, which is a, a funny name on a couple levels because the game is about catching stuff. Like um, picture any number of mobile games over the years where you are trying to catch objects that are falling from the sky in a basket. Like that's a really basic sort of like mobile game template. Um, but they also wrote and, and recorded all their own music for this oh, cool. and kind of added it to the game in sort of like a rhythm game capacity. And so, um, and all the music is really, really catchy. So it's like a, a funny name that has two different meanings, but, um, yeah, this game, when I first played it, I was like, okay, this is like a simple, cool little thing, but like, I can't really, I don't really see the like lasting appeal, but that's sort of like laser dogs thing. Like I was saying, like, it seems yeah, like a yeah, casual yeah. throwaway game that once you play more and more, you realize like, okay, this thing is actually like a finely honed, crazy Twitch arcade game that's like, takes a lot of skill. Uh, and so it, it's, it's you slide the little vessel, whatever you want. It starts out as being um, a bowl where you're catching fish roe, which I don't do seafood. Fish roe seems incredibly gross to me. It's just fish eggs, right? Yeah, um, that's good. Yuck. So um, yeah, grow up, Jerry. those are falling from the sky and you're catching them. Um, into the bowl and the, if you let too many if you miss too many that fall they splat on the ground and um, if you miss too many then the, the round ends or whatever so <clears throat> the the interesting thing is that the objects that are falling from the sky are almost in the same fashion as um, the dots on like the um, guitar string lanes from like a guitar hero game right hmm. And so you need to catch them. It's not a tapping in rhythm to the music type rhythm game, but you need to catch things. And if you miss this, that part of the song will like, you know, if you like miss a chord yeah, in Guitar yeah, yeah. Hero, that was, that was and you fun. really feel it because yeah. it, it like misses that part of the song. And it's like, you screwed up. Um, it does that with the soundtrack in this game too. So it sort of has like a Guitar Hero kind of element to it, even though there's not really any, it's not an actual rhythm game, I would say. But, um, uh, it's cool because each level is broken up into different rounds and round one starts out really simple with just like one note of the tune playing and um, you know, everything falls a lot slower. And then if you pass that part, you go to round two and then more layers of the song are introduced with new objects falling that make different sounds and oh, cool. everything gets a little more complex. And yeah. then that goes up through, I think um, uh, six rounds, I think is the end, but um, to b actually beat a level. And that's just on easy, and then every level has a medium and a hard. And then you, there's, I think, seven or eight songs that you can actually unlock. Um, the whole game is kind of anchored by one in-game currency, which is, um, as far as I can tell, you can't buy. You have to watch ads or earn it through playing. Oh, and um, So you can unlock new games, or I mean new songs, and then you can unlock a whole host of different themes of things that you catch. And so, like, there's a popcorn basket where you catch popcorn falling instead of the fish row. Or um, there's one that's a toilet. You catch turds falling from the sky <laughs> nice. or whatever. The, a bunch kind of fun of, themes. Which like, reminds of, me of, like, baking the game almost, you know? Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool that it gives you – it's it's not like uh, the kind of game where if you feel like you have to buy anything anyway. 
but it's definitely like a long grind if you want to like unlock a bunch of stuff or whatever, but it, not so long to unlock a new song or two or one or two new themes or whatever. So it's kind of like, a, um, I always think of like crossy road. Like you have this long-term goal of like, eventually you'll unlock every yeah. character, but yeah, it's yeah. not like imperative that you do it right away or anything. Kind of the same here. You'll always have something to unlock once you get enough coins or whatever, or you can just watch a bunch of ads if you're one of those people. Um, but as far as I can tell, there's no in-app purchase packs for these coins. So that's interesting. But anyway, super fun game. Definitely one where you got to play it a few times to kind of understand that it's a lot more complex than it seems at first. Um, and then the soundtrack is just killer. It's super fun to listen to. So definitely one you want to play with sound. Um, but yeah, that's the new Laser Dog Games. That's cool. Game. I'm excited to try that out. Yeah, another good one to check out. Probably very similar ilk to Mr. Traffic in terms of colorful, cheery arcade yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Whew, I'm running out of gas. Last game, uh, last news Here, story. Talk about this talk one. About I'm going to grab something real quick to show you before yeah. the podcast is up. So, so talk about it. Rainbow Six real quick. Okay, so Rainbow Six Mobile has been announced from Ubisoft. Um, based mostly around Rainbow Six Siege. And um, I'm... I'm not as familiar with Rainbow Six's recent releases, but uh, I sure did play Rainbow Six Vegas a whole lot on the 360 uh, 15 years ago or whatever it was. So um, not surprising that they're going to bring a big franchise like Rainbow Six to mobile. And I'm sure it will be a very mobilized version like Call of Duty is or something like that. And I think there's a... um, What was the other one? Just Cause has a mobile version in the works. And, you know... Any big IP you can think of on console or PC seems like they're gearing towards having like an official mobile release that's like this never-ending game-as-a-service type setup, which I think is smart. So um, Rainbow Six is getting that same treatment. The trailer looks cool. Um, I don't know. Definitely one to watch and see how it turns out if you like the Rainbow Six games. This will probably turn into a good sort of like side game to play in addition to the the big boy games on on console and PC. So Yeah, this this sounds neat. I'm I'm kind of excited for this. The trailer looks cool. I, it'll it could be fun. Like I said, I haven't played Rainbow Six really since Vegas, but man, did I love that game a lot. So um all right, so I my my live unboxing to close out the podcast. Mhm. Um so are you familiar with Rumple at all? Nope. So um you will be after this Ooh. because um this will be Instagram ads you'll start seeing. But, um, oh, great. So what their thing is, is they make these uh, blankets that are kind of like out of like sleeping bag material. And I don't know. I, I just mm. really like them because I've always. I just like, oh, is that the. Those are the blankets you would bring to like um, yeah. GDC and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So I, I've I, almost bought one of those a few different times. So, I, yeah, I have one that. Um, that's a down blanket that is like super packable and I, I bring it you know, places like particularly when you have like Airbnbs or, or whatever else. Um, are you still on Skype here? Like totally frozen for me. Oh, geez. I think we lost Jared. He couldn't, he couldn't handle the, the unboxing. Let me try calling him back real quick. One second. Okay, are we better now? You there? Yeah, I think Skype died. This this has been a real shit show. Yeah, the last like probably Skype. fifteen seconds was gobbledygook. 
Okay, so you are in mega robot mode, but um, that's fine. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that, that blanket that I usually bring around is uh, a rumple. I really like it because, you know, they, they do like these um, kind of like uh, technical sort of things. But um, every year for April Fool's, well, it, they, they started this thing a couple years ago where they did like this really silly April Fool's and everyone was like, wait, can I buy that? Because that's actually really cool. Um, which happens a lot. And uh, last this year, they actually sold their April Fool's blanket, which I have. Can you see my video at all, or are you just totally fucked? I think Jared's totally fucked. But anyway, so I just got this delivered. And if you're on the video version of the podcast, you can see... You're very fuzzy. This this year this year's blanket for April Fool's is a Bob Ross painting. So, I don't know. Jared can't see it. His internet's fucked up. But, uh, but yeah, actually bought it. Oh, awesome. Oh, there you go. You're, you're mega delayed. But, uh, last year's April Fool's blanket. I can see it. Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound shitty though. We should just drive this podcast. You hear me? We should just drive this podcast straight into the side of a tree and call it a day. I think I can't believe we got through all the stories without issue though. Yeah, hate to end on a sour note. Well, here I'll you know all the stuff I say at the end of the podcast. So just pretend I'm saying. I'll close. All. I'll close it out since you're like uh, apparently yeah, podcasting through like a. Listening, we'll with a another episode of the Touch Arcade Show next week. That that sucked. I'll do it. Uh, back Touch Arcade on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Touch Arcade. Do your Amazon shopping. TouchArcade.com forward slash Amazon. Uh, buy an analog pocket if you want to be eternally tortured like me. Uh, check out rumplerumpl.com if you want a really stupid blanket that's probably more expensive than it should be. Um, <laughs> hopefully, uh, Jared figures out how to work the internet at some point, and uh, we'll catch you next week on another episode of the Touch Arcade Show.